Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Drinking with the Jackets podcast. Thanks to all of you for your support by listening to the first episode and subscribing to the podcast. We felt the love for sure. We also want to give a special shout out to the one listener from the Bahamas for Spotify's location metrics. For the second episode of the podcast, we brought on Connor Hill, former employee at the SEC Network. It was a treat to get to know Connor better through this experience, hear about some of his stories working for ESPN, and drink some quality brews together. We hope you all enjoyed the episode, because I know we certainly did. Are you in the Southeast and looking for a DJ to play at a wedding? Well, look no further than my good friend, DJ Scotty Z. He comes with over 10 years of DJ experience and provides free consultations to build your ideal wedding playlist to make the night a special one. He can provide music for both the ceremony and reception, whatever you need. I can personally vouch for Scott as I have been to many events where he was the DJ and he always turns the place up. If you're interested in working with Scott, reach out to him via email at djscottyzmusic at gmail.com. That's djscottyzmusic at gmail.com. You won't regret it. And welcome back, Drinking with the Jackets Podcast Nation. We're here live with my co-host, Chase Randolph. Chase, how you doing? Doing good, Josh. How are you? Pretty damn good. We're, we're joined today by a legend in the Scheller NBA circle as his LinkedIn profile has been shared a billion times yesterday for getting engaged. Connor Hill. Pleasure uh, to be here. Hey, Connor. Hello. So everybody's cracked a beer right now. Uh, we're going to go around and share what we're drinking. I'm drinking the crispiest of boys, a Natty Light. A fine choice. I am, uh, I'm sticking to the Carolinas here. I've got Catawba White Zombie. <laughs> what? Oh, that's classic. So uh, but also, a white zombie. a beer with a lot of flavor to, uh, to drink a lot of, I feel like. <laughs> it is. But, you know, I'm trying to go local here, support Catawba. So, it's <laughs> great beer. What are you, you drinking there, Connor? I, I got myself, especially for this, uh, Schaffer Hoffer Heffenweizen. <laughs> Which you might not recognize the name of, but if you've ever been to Epcot and you go to Germany and you get that fun little grapefruit beer, oh, that is yeah. that is exactly what this is. So Schaffer Hoffer. Schaffer Hoffer. Schaffer Hoffer. Looks like one of all our German friends. I guess Igleba. It's either I just see the said I either love or live that beer. So either or translate that, Google. Well, cool. We'll kick off. Leave off uh, right where we left started with beautiful questionnaires. Get to know our guests. So, Connor, can you give us like your uh, five-minute, you know, elevator spiel? Who you are, what you do, and uh, where'd you go to school, and what are your favorite sports teams? Who I am, uh, I'm getting existential, but currently I work for a professional services company doing the fun uh, consulting game, but I won't get into that detail because that's not the not the fun stuff. Previously to that, I believe what you, uh, you teased a little bit last week is I worked at ESPN for three years um, with uh, started up with the, uh, the SEC network when it when it kicked off and hung around for a bit and uh, had a lot of fun there. Uh, worked behind the scenes, uh, had one one uh, national television appearance. That was a good time. Beyond that, I went to Auburn University undergrad and both freshman year was the wonderful Cam Newton National Championship team. That was your freshman year, dude? My freshman year. God dang. Yeah, yeah. Day three on campus and he was not the Cam Newton at the time. He was just transferred from junior college to Cam Newton and I got into an elevator at the same time. And that dude's massive. I don't know if he if that you know, carries on uh, on television. 
Does I'm not carry a laptops though. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my bad. Sold oh, one, gosh. but you know, hey, he was going to class. We we were we were in the we were in the Haley Center. Uh, my, my Auburn people know that, and uh, in the elevator going up that labyrinth, and he gave me an up nod, and I responded with an up nod, and uh, never saw him beyond the football field uh, ever again after that. Uh, within senior year, uh, another uh, wonderful transfer quarterback, Nick Marshall, uh, led us to the national championship. Oh, bug uh, eyes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, sadly, that one did not go as well. But nonetheless, it was a wonderful four years. Rarely do you get to go to two national championships and have a three and nine season in between in your four years at undergrad. Uh, so it was quite, quite the adventure. Then, of course, uh, yeah, then it was the the ESPN years. And then when I realized I needed to get a real job, I uh, went to the Georgia Institute of Technology. Uh, jackets. My man, my man Josh over here for two years. And yeah, had a swell time. I would say uh, not as focused on the sports uh, during, <laughs> during those two years at GT, but an absolutely lovely time. Many beers at Cypress Pint and Plate, which is just a legendary little, little uh, place. Oh yeah, it's, um, it's one of the best. Truly one of the best. And yeah, now I'm here today uh, doing stuff. So teams, clearly the, the Auburn University Tigers. I do, I do like my yellow jackets, but as you, as y'all know, it is, it is definitely my, I, I, I talk about Auburn as my sports teams and Georgia tech. When anybody asked what school I went to and yeah. professional teams, we got, we got the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the, about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, Chase is changing his shorts right now. after have talked about <laughs> Cam Newton. Uh, yeah, no, so that's the thing. So it's the Atlanta suite of teams minus Falcons add in the Panthers. And that is, that is, that is my, um, my team cheering also included in that, uh, shout out to the Arkansas Redbacks and went to college. So still, still, still a hog at heart. Woo pig, baby. Didn't you go to a basketball camp out there? I did. I went to the Stan Heath basketball camp, got an ear infection, met my cousin, so there's a fun story. There's a before before Walker Kessler came and just started dominating blocking shots for the number two team in the country, Auburn University. And there was a guy named Stephen Hill who was the center for Arkansas way back in the day, um, whose nickname was Basketball Jesus because of his hair and his beard, but was an incredible shot blocker uh, and set all the SEC records. And I was at the basketball camp when he was there, so I was like middle school at the time. And same last name, very similar complexion and uh, hair color. So there was a my favorite player on the team, a guy named Charles Thomas, was joking with Stephen and I saying, man, y'all must be related. Like, look, look at this. Like, he's like straight up a little mini-me of you. And um, then we just started talking and joking. He's like, you know, so he's like, Connor, where are you from? I was like, well, I'm from Kansas City. And I was like, uh, Stephen, he's like, yeah, Branson, uh, Missouri. Those are Missouri places uh, for those folks out there, not from the Midwest. And years go by. We make that joke. My aunt is then at a convention at the University of Arkansas, ends up talking to Stephen Hill's mother, and they go back and like go through kind of the lineage on both sides of the family tree. Turns out we had the same great great grandfather. So uh, Stephen Hill, former Arkansas Razorback, former Portland Trailblazer, and an Oklahoma City. Thunder player, and I uh, ended up actually being cousins, and so yeah, we had a little family reunion after that. Wow, dude, yeah. your 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 cousin story is way better than mine. Mine was 
I worked in front of a guy playing hash for like two years. And then we went to the Georgia Tech, Georgia Southern game. And he looked at my dad and goes, do you know my dad, Russ Aldridge? And my dad goes, yeah, we're cousins. And then I looked at him and I said, God damn, South Georgia incest is wincest. Everybody's <laughs> related to everybody. So, yeah, yours is way cooler. Oh, hey, you know, we can't all have cousins and brothers like yourself, man. Like, you know. <laughs> cool. Uh, we're going to do a little trade-off with the, with the questions. So, so Chase, why don't you hit Connor with the, the big hitter, the, the first question to really get it going. All right, Connor. So I think the, you know, we let into this a little bit last week, but, you know, the people obviously want to know, uh, how did you get into the SEC network and what was your relationship like with the man, Paul Feinbaum? <laughs> <laughs> um, the first part of that's easy. I was graduating. I got my undergrad degree in broadcast journalism, and I had in paper in front of me about to sign a contract to go to the, I think it was the 163 out of 165 market to be their weekend sports anchor. So this is um, a little tiny town in Missouri um, to get to get my start. And right before I signed it, sorry, the, um, the Schopenhoffers, in my throat. Um, People want the burps. Oh, Let it's going to happen. Right before uh, that ended up uh, ended up signing that, I got a heads up from one of my professors. And actually, this professor is really interesting because not only is he a professor that's college of journalism, he is the uh, stadium voice of the Auburn Tigers in the SEC championship. This What's his name? Oh, you put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> But as, as 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 I as I look up his name, anyway, so he he reached out, sent me an email um, that basically said, "Hey, I have friends at the SEC Network. They are looking for a associate directors and production assistants and pretty much all the entry level positions, but they want to fill it out with SEC individuals." And he said, "I put your name and uh, another person who I went to school with, uh, Brooke Fletcher, who's actually now the sideline reporter for the Detroit." Valley Sports Group. And yeah, then I just drove to Charlotte the next like two days from there, or two days afterwards, uh, did the interview, was driving back to uh, Auburn and got the call and said, I got the job. And I learned how to uh, direct television on the fly. So that was, that was a lot of, a lot of fun. Okay, boys, we're down a beer. Another one. And of course, this whole uh, story was about my uh, very close friend and good professor, Rick Smith. <laughs> oh rick what a guy well, yeah that's awesome rick is awesome he's he's a wonderful dude awesome awesome professor i, I believe he's also a uh, a methodist minister he's he's a man of many talents that's about five five and has the most booming southern voice you'll you'll ever hear in your entire life great dude oh, damn. silky smooth it's mm-hmm. gotta be silky smooth so so you started with the sec network that way yep. how did you end up working for paul Oh, oh yeah, that part of the question. So yeah, so so like uh, <laughs> you might not see, notice this on TV, but the SEC network is a very small operation, actually, very very successful uh, for for the uh, folks at ESPN from a financial standpoint, but really really ran on a shoestring. So it wasn't just working with Paul. I would every single show on the SEC network uh, I was a part of at some point in time. Um, so yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably be on the, the, the fine bomb show a couple times a week. Uh, he would have absolutely no idea who I am, but I don't feel bad about that. Cause I think he might've known out of the 200 people that worked at the office, 
four of them. And Paul. Yeah. So so Paul's Paul's a character. He's he is as unique off air as he is on air. He's a he's an absolute professional in in two cents. Like he he very much studies the game, knows, knows what's, and by game, I mean like the, the art of journalism, not, not so much the sports. Cause like, if you look into his background, he was, he was, you know, print journalist in Alabama and all the, all these years and did the radio shows. He's like, he's a true uh, artur of sports journalism, but in the pro at the same time of he would roll up like two minutes before the show starts after all the, the all the producing and everything's going on, get like a real quick hit of, okay, here's what we're going to do with the next four hours. And then basically just would wing it every single day with the, you know, <laughs> amazing perfection that you come to expect from the Paul Feinbaum show. I called into the uh, Paul Feinbaum show and I was driving, I was driving to Charleston from Greenville, which is like three hours. And I was probably on hold for two out of the three hours, but I was like, I got nothing else to do. Let's do it. And I finally got on. It was right when Jeff Collins got hired. I asked Paul what he thought about the hire, and I was feeling pretty good about it at the time. And, you know, then I, then I ended it with a little jab at the Georgia fans saying that, you know, we had a more recent national championship than they did. Nice. Yeah. And, but, you know, now that Georgia won, it's like – they took that from me. That's it's all. the worst. That's, all, the that's worst. all we had over them. So yeah, yeah. same. That's it. The 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 nineteen eighty jokes were just the absolute best thing. Oh, ever. Just, they they get aggravated them so much. It was great. Yeah, I'll tell you my last one. I I was moving uh, Madison, my wife, all the way up to good old nine hundred one Memphis, Tennessee, and so we had loaded up her stuff out of. Uh, Actually, funny enough, since we're talking about Paul Feinbaum, Birmingham, Alabama, where he got, you know, blew up on the scene. Like Chase, you know, I'm on the phone for like two hours and I'm riding with my friend Pat, party Pat Hickam in the car. And I finally get on. And this is during the pandemic. So they're talking about, you know, there's a lot of oddities because uh, that first recruiting cycle, if you looked around, you know, not a lot of commits compared to like normal time frames. People are still trying to figure out Zoom calls, Zoom like Zoom hostings and everything like yeah. that. And Alabama had, had had a hard time at that time keeping pace with everybody. You know, of course, they ended up, you know, like top three class per usual. But, you know, at the time, they didn't have them be convinced. I call in and they're talking about this stuff. And I'm like, you know, Paul, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. I'm like, Paul, you know, do you think – you think some of this recruiting, you know, stagnation at Alabama has to deal with, you know, Nick Saban getting his first email account. Uh, <laughs> and he started chuckling a little bit. And then I quickly turned it and I said, and the funny thing is people are arguing, you know, this is COVID. So of course it's highly political. People are arguing back and forth on the show. Like a bunch of oh, yeah. idiots, yes. you know, they are. Yes. And then leaving their personal phone numbers on there. Like you call me. At, hey, oh yeah. Yeah. Call me in this yeah. number and I'll tell you something, boy. And so I, I go, and remember all you dog fans, Georgia Tech's got four national titles to two, and you can call me at eight six seven five three zero nine. And I just hung up immediately, and I, you know, listened to the radio at the same time. And Paul just starts cracking up because you know one of those idiots, you know, it was like eight six seven five three zero nine. I wonder what number that is. <laughs> Man, it's the characters on the show. That's that's the craziest part about it is. For as many times as I heard, like, there's no way uh, that person's real. There's no way Phyllis is actually like that. There's, like, any of that stuff. And, and that's not – Yeah, I, I think so. 
Or was it Tammy? Yeah. I can't remember which the one. Tam- uh, oh, t- uh, uh, it was Tammy. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I repeated Tammy. Shout out to Tammy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, with the typical, with the average age of the Paul Feinbaum listener, like that is, that's, that's, a, that's a game you play every year. Um, but, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's real. Like there's not organization beforehand. Like I cannot stress this enough. I, I I am no longer paid by that company to say like or to like keep like the the mystique there. It is those those people are real and and they call in with their ideas every day and it's both amazing and horrifying at the same time. I, I can't I can't say anything more. It it is just it was always fascinating. It, it was. So like that shift is like a not nine hour shift and eight and a half hours of that are some of the most boring work you could possibly do in your entire life. <laughs> but there's always one call that just does something during, during that day. It just is just that little touch of magic and on any other radio show. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like the plethora of like, Number one, you have like the most rabid fans calling in too. Like, so you're naturally going to get some like crazy crap come in. But then two, yeah, no, I mean, ever since the Spike D40 call, you know, he's just yeah. attracting yeah. everybody to yeah. get a nut job to call in too. Yeah. I mean, but like, like, and, and to push their, to push their, Harson's dad called in a couple of days ago to, oh, to, to, defend, to defend his son. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. It's it's crazy. We're gonna get into that later, but we might as well get into it. Now. Yeah, let's get into that now. We were gonna save that, but man, what do you think about Brian Harson as a as an Auburn guy and and you know him apparently laying the pipe to his assistant? Right now? <laughs> all right, so so that's uh, the the one thing, and not so much for Brian because Brian's a grown man and can deal with it. But uh, for, for her, that's there's that seems to be I want I want to make that that seems to be very unfound. Is it weird that he brought along his 20 something year old assistant from Boise state to the next university? It's a little odd. I won't, I won't deny that, but, but from, from the uh, thorough investigation from uh, Auburn leadership, it it sounds like that might've been an unfounded claim for legal reasons. I'm going to say that (laughs) I I do think it's not bad. I feel, I feel terrible for her. That sucks. The causation or correlation is not causation, right? Yes. 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 In, In the, Something, something in the court of the law. Um, said innocent till proven guilty. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's still an ongoing investigation, as they say. Okay, so I have I have receipts, and I made sure to get receipts on this because I was never on the Harson bandwagon. And I, I, am a, I am a true Auburn outlier that was a Gus supporter till just about the bitter end. I didn't disagree that it seemed like the university and the coach of Gus Malzahn were going in opposite directions. However, as a, uh, as a practiced uh, individual in sports and have basically being forced to watch a bunch of different teams over a three-year span and, of course, doing it for fun outside of that, the most dangerous thing to do in college football is fire a good coach. Mm. Can, it, can it work? Yes, we saw exactly what's happened with UGA. Kirby Kirby got that program to the next level. Yeah. Um, after after getting away from a good coach, does it normally work? Heck no. Look at Texas. Look at Tennessee. Look at U USC. 
look at, I mean, shoot. I mean, Nebraska, even if like Nebraska was okay yeah. with, with uh, shoot, what's his face? Bo Pelini. They went to Bo Pelini. Went, yeah. Yeah. They went to big 10 championships. If uh, right. for our listeners that listen to uh busting with the boys too, comp daddy gets into that and they bring a uh, Pelini in. Like he had some stellar defenses you know, back then and they, they had 10 win, you know, seasons. You did. And, and when you fire a good coach, you have to have a perfect plan in place. And Auburn clearly did not. There is clearly a lot going on with the, with the booster group and uh, there, and it's not a, they have very, very high demands, not only from expectations for how to win, but we're going to pick your staff and good coaches mm. don't want, don't want influence over their staff. They, they want to be able to choose all things. So it's really, I, I didn't think Harrison was a great hire. I, I think if you look at Boise is the Alabama of their level of, of college football. They can get anybody at that talent level that they want. They win a whole lot, but at the same time, that makes it very easy to be successful. So like you look at the two previous coaches before Harson, how successful they were, you saw that he was losing on average, like one plus game more than they were on a, on a yearly basis. And just because a guy wins nine games a year at a school does not I mean it's going to transfer over especially yeah. from the west coast and then he wouldn't set up for success they they, they chose his assistant coaches uh clearly a lot of people are throwing him under the bus if you're going to commit to that you got to fully commit to that and Auburn I think hired the wrong guy and then has treated him very horribly since then and we're going to be a bottom feeder in the west for a uh for the foreseeable future that is uh anyway basketball <laughs> this is a cheers to all of us bottom feeders in our divisions right here. Cheers. Cheers. Some some similarities, some differences in the tech trajectory. You know, especially JOL, you know, there's a lot of Paul detractors and there's a lot of, and, and I think Chase and some of our other friends that uh, help produce Dream with the Jack gets, you know, tired of Paul, which is which is fine. I think he did not have support, you know, number one at the school after uh, Dan Radakovich left for, for Clemson. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, by the way, Hate that guy, but also that guy's definitely a great AD. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think, you know, the support wasn't there for him, so he couldn't really fulfill his, you know, complete vision. And then I understand watching the triple option gets boring unless you're dropping 70 points on Kansas when then yeah. it's, it's kind of fun. But uh, we, we hired a, a <laughs> an unproven – we'll just call him Scooter right now. And, uh, yeah, we're in the same boat right I think I think Jeff was the right hire at the time, and it just hasn't right. worked out. I, I, like, I, I don't think – I think it was – I think it was – a good risk. I think it was pretty well researched. Here's here's my theory. Jeff never had a chance from birth. Uh, not, like Harson didn't have a chance from when they hired him. Doesn't have a chance from birth because the way he spells his name. Have you guys seen like, or like heard of like the theory that you know you, you have a very high chance of following or like like how like what is it like seventy percent of CEOs have very simple like first names like Bill, John, whatever, and like there's other tracks too. Like if your name's something, you're very likely to. Like there's like there like there's more high school quarterbacks named Gunner than at any other thing like in, in the nation. It, it's like silly stuff like that. Like if you name somebody something, they're gonna achieve that. I, there's there's some theory behind it. Look up successful G E O F F Jeffs. There's none, none of them. There's like Chaucer who like wrote <laughs> Canterbury Tales. That's it. If you want to be a successful Jeff, you're a J E F F, and 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 he Big never facts. had yeah. yeah. So on that note, everyone. Another beer. Another one. Mm. Keeping pace, baby. Well, Jeff cool. Bridges. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> Jeff Bezos.
It's just facts. <laughs> you want to hit him with the next one? Sure. So uh, I know you talked a little bit about Paul Feinbaum, but you also mentioned that you know, SEC Network's a pretty small, small operation. So mm-hmm. what were some of the other shows that you worked on? Maybe what were some of your favorite shows, some of your least favorite shows, and uh, just, just any any experiences you had with, with some of those? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so the, the main, the main show or the nightly show at the time that I was there was SEC. Now um, it was our equivalent of uh sports center, but actually what I thought was really cool and hope to see emulated a little bit more throughout. And I, I think they're getting there just through really splitting up what ESPN does is it kind of got back to the old sports center of like, let's just look like it, and it worked because it was on a smaller scale of, you know, only, 12 or 14 schools of like, let's, let's deep dive. Let's find the news. Let's see what's going on here. Cause like, you know, we, we only have only six teams play today. So we only have six scores to show, but like, let's, let's talk about like what, what's going on in the minutia. Let, let's, let's actually have a civil discussion about what these, what these teams can do instead of just a, a shouting match at, at each other that I think a lot of, um, entertainment and and uh news television has has become because that's like i mean sorry this i I, i'm totally not answering the question and going off into something completely different but good man the 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 24-hour news cycle was really kicked off by what espn was doing back in the in the 70s and basically saying news or sports shouldn't just be this this 10 minute segment on the news we can do this all the time because there's sports going on everywhere and they were able to put on together this 24-hour network of sports all the time and people found it fascinating and viewership went way up and it was taken away viewership for news and then news saw these like really smart cool panel shows that were being up there and getting different voices involved and you see your 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 CNNs and Foxes and others to start emulating basically off of what uh ESPN really kind of push to the forefront and it's it's fascinating seeing you know just the if you, if you go back to like our childhood and growing up espn how much it's influenced other media out there all right hard left turn back to the actual question that you see now is fantastic uh, fine bomb always you know just interesting to see happen but the the um the absolute best and worst was the live sports i mean that, that's i mean it's a big deal like like, like uh, why was the best and the worst so the, the best because nothing's better than live sports. Uh, like as fun as seeing talking heads talk about stuff, it's not. It's nowhere near as fun as actually being able to do the half times and support for actual games because games are fun to watch. The issue comes in is unlike SEC now that runs for an hour, unlike the Paul Feinbaum show that runs every day from three to seven or or, or, or two to six. Games don't have time; they keep going. You end up working until four in the morning. My absolute nicest guy in the entire world, Paul Palmineri. I'm, I'm mispronouncing his last name. He's the, he, he was the previous LSU uh, baseball coach that just recently retired. Incredible coach. What are the like all timer? Like like maybe on the college baseball Mount Rushmore. And the nicest person you'll ever speak to. He was, he would always like introduce you by name. Cause I'd have to get on there to say, Hey coach, we're about to come in and do like a, uh, a talk back with you. He would say, Oh, Connor, thank you so much. How are you doing out of this? Except for he coached every single one of his players after every pitch to step out of the box, step out of the box, take your time, readjust your gloves, get back in. He also went through the most pitchers of any coach in college baseball. So LSU baseball games on average were like, four hours, I think four hours and 10 minutes. And they would have first pitch at 10 or 9 PM Eastern time. 
So when we knew when we we're uh, going with an LSU baseball game, we were going to be there till four in the morning uh, doing this. That's that's why it's the worst. That is the worst, and you yeah, know, it kind of bugs me about college football too. Is like. You know, I was watching the Super Bowl this past Sunday, and I mean, I blinked, and halftime was around the corner. Yeah, in college, yeah, yeah, they kept that clock rolling. College football, it's like, I mean, there's stoppages all over the place, and it's you know, three and a half, four hours before you finish a game. It's like, it's just crazy. I did the exact same thing. The first half was an hour and a half total. Like they hit, they hit, they hit the halftime, the, the commercial break going into halftime. Like I think it was like an hour and twenty five minutes in total game time, which. I was like, man, that was fast. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I'm used to watching CBS Saturdays where it, it's like five hours of, well, I'll just I'll keep, I'll keep my comments on this no, news coverage. Eh, you know, but, you know, it's simple. Is, is it the best? No. It, like, you, I mean, you, like, what, yeah. Gary Daniels is an yeah. idiot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but no, you're, you're so right, Chase. It's, it's crazy. Like it, it's it's. It's insane that the biggest spectacle that the U.S. throws every single year is somehow quicker than Texas A&M versus LSU at oh. 3 p.m. on Saturday. Like, is that absurd. with or without the like seven overtimes? Right. <laughs> That's okay. Fair. Fair. Good, good, good. T- t- bad example. Um, but yeah, no, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. No, I can. I can imagine that. Like, I think you said like you do like women's like tournaments too and they'd stay up to like the butt crack of dawn you know like almost oh yeah seconds. well yeah so so uh, i mean a big part of it during basketball season um and women's basketball is like yeah, so it's sec network and espnu were out the same studio in charlotte so espnu covers all sports <laughs> all college sports so we we get we're getting pac 12 after dark games that we are supporting in charlotte north carolina so those are the ones where you're like all right tip offs at 11 30 p.m we're gonna this is gonna be fun uh <laughs> we're gonna be here for a bit but you know what positive from that women's basketball there's a washington team when i was there with kelsey plum who is an absolute baller that was one of the most fun basketball teams I ever watched. They played five out. They just drained threes all day. Kelsey Plum is like is a one for one carbon copy of James Harden and how she plays. It was fantastic. So if they, how if long is your a, beard though? <laughs> all right, bad joke. That, that is right. a that is a it's a national treasure. National that's, treasure. It's Olympic gold winning facts. Both, both in the five on five and the three on three. Kelsey Plum. There. Thank you very much. <laughs> How cool is it that the Olympics have three on three? That's kind of cool. Did, didn't we play three That's on right. three basketball together? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I Probably. think I did that with Chase too. I think the end result for both teams were dog shit. Dude, I played I played basketball in high school and it, it was tennis as well. And I've tried to play them recently. Uh, you know, and, and with with us, I cardio goes. Oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> two times up and down the floor, and I was done. like about to puke. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Speaking of done, hope you're done with this beer. Another one. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's especially bad, especially when you uh, play flag football when you're uh, 28 years old with a bunch of 18 year olds and tear your ACL like a jack wagon. Yeah, that was. Man, you went through how many ACL tears did you have in that two year period? Uh, just one, and then I the probably have injury? a but. Yeah, it might you know may have a busted MCL. Well, that's you know, what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were in crutches for <laughs> a good 80 percent of the first two years I knew you. Yeah, I'll say that it's affected my golf game and nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got the next one, man. So we already talked about Paul Feinbaum, but what are the cool like ESPN or SEC network personalities did you meet? And like, 
actually get to yeah. hang out with? No, that's that, that's a good question. So it, it, that's actually something interesting about how it works. So I was on the direction side. So I like to think of, you know, um, you, you basically have two units that work together to create a show. You have the producers and the directors. So the producers are the ones who design the show, put put the what we call the rundown together. You know, I want to talk about this game, this game, this game. Let's do a deep dive into what our ranking for the best power forward in the SEC are. Let's do this and that. And then the direction side executes it. We 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 make it come to life. We we literally, you know, we cut the cameras, we build all the graphic packages. It's that side of house does that. So the on-air talent almost exclusively works with the producers. So it took the very interested in the art of television and just the very, I guess, more kind, like actually hang out with the direction side. Not that we were the losers or anything. There were just no reason for the uh, the cool ex-athletes to, to hang out with us. But very simply, Dari Noka, who's the main voice in SEC Network, is probably one of, if not the most talented guy at, at ESPN and also just one of the nicest dudes ever. So anytime you see Dari Noka hosting anything, watch it. The guy's just brilliant. Oh, um, I can agree with that. I, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I like Dari a lot. I lived in Charlotte for three years and um, he came by. There was an SEC Network tailgate right by where I lived. And, you know, next thing I know, I see him throwing cornhole bags. And so just. Yeah. One of, one of my good friends played cornhole against him and just said he was like the super nice guy. Took a picture with him afterwards. Yeah, no, totally. Just just enjoys it. Like like if he wanted, he could he could be hosting whatever show on ESPN he wants to. And what he wants to do is the stuff on the SEC network. He's fantastic. All the, all the other hosts were, you know, very, very kind, very pleasant. Um, but he, he he stands out. And I, I think everybody else there would agree too. As for commentators, Tim Tebow's the worst. Uh, on on many facets, there's there's a lot of stuff there, but just just a, like the, the man. Here's the thing: Tim Tebow is exactly what Tim T, he is exactly what he puts out there. Like 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 there's there that man is all belief in 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 many things. Um, I think most importantly himself, and I think that's where a lot of the uh, there's a lot of um, tends to rub people the wrong way. There's going to be people who probably don't like that because I know that he has a very big following. We, we'll end this for the uh, tech fans, though. Uh, Tim Tebow did have that beautiful pass to the late, great A. Bay Bay in the playoffs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout yeah. out A. Bay Bay. The man won football games. There's no denying that. I mean, he's a, he's a college legend. Triple A baseball, not so much. Um <laughs> God, that was the worst. Because like he was one of the main hosts on uh, or one of the one of the main commentators for SEC Nation, our our college football Saturday show, and he held us up multiple times because he really thought the baseball thing was going to work out. Uh, um, yeah, he's like batting like a one five three or some crap average like that. Yeah. <laughs> on the other side of the coin, Greg McElroy is fantastic. Alabama superstar, Jets starter for a few games. Real great dude. Does that hurt to say, dude? Not at all. Because he's fantastic. Hey, you know what's crazy? I have a, a disdain for the University of Georgia at Athens, but I have no issue really with Alabama. And I'm a big Nick Saban fan. So, um, wow. Wow. I know, right? Isn't That's that a hot crazy? take? Isn't that crazy? No, the guy wins. He wins in the right way. And we're all just jealous we don't have all that purse money. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, but, no, but like, 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 seriously, like, like uh, every single Alabama grad that I worked with, and I'm talking like through his football program graduate, 
was always like the nicest dude. Uh, and, and I think you hear it on multiple Including Jeffy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, Greg's, Greg's a great guy. Greg, total pro, super smart football mind, very frustrated by Nick Marshall because they were just so opposite and they just did not understand how that worked as a quarterback. But like one of the nicest guys would go out and have a beer. One of the more interesting dudes, gosh, I shouldn't be just direct name dropping. Clint Sterner. Like, so a lot of people, I don't know. So as an Arkansas fan growing up, I knew Clint for the, uh, what's referred to as the Sterner stumble. Uh, this was before the butt fumble. It was the butt fumble before the butt fumble where they were about to beat number one, Tennessee. And he tripped over a yard line or something like, like literally nothing grass and fumbled the ball. Tennessee took it back. Number one, Tennessee ends up winning the game. Um, Is this like 98? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Arkansas was uh, up in the top five at that point in time, too. And he's he's a nice dude, but like he's one of those guys. Here's what you get a lot with all of them. And this isn't fair to just say, and this is kind of everybody else. And in a lot of ways that aren't like are, are your Greg McElroy's. They're like in their early 40s, but still kind of have the attitude like they're the like the quarterback on, on, on campus, even though no one knows who they are at this point in time, or like the star wide receiver or the star defensive tackle. And it's like, you go to a bar and they like are talking to people way younger than they should be talking to. But except for, it's not like terrible mile style, right? Right. Urban mile style. But like, but people can recognize urban Meyer. No one knows who the, star middle linebacker from Missouri is who just have who played eight game or who played eight years in the NFL or whatever and is just like making it rain in a Charlotte Charlotte bar but you got a lot of that like yeah it was it was a lot of like drinking in the local bars a- afterwards and just seeing the uh the old college party guys come out which was pretty great well it sounds like Frank Kaminsky too yeah dude yeah I- yeah sure oh oh he's, hey, hey, did y'all both know did y'all both see him <laughs> if you want to talk uh tall awkward white um Cody centers zeller. cody zeller my boy so Dude. zeller so i saw zeller. i saw both of those guys out in charlotte like every weekend zeller would go out with us so zeller was uh <laughs> zeller was infatuated with a girl that we worked with that I actually went to school at auburn with we'll disclose details but loved her just like head over heels and so Zeller would come to all of our like little house parties and go out to uh, the epicenter and stuff with us. But Zeller, very nice dude, incredibly socially awkward. Um, I remember one time, this one of my really good buddies, we had it, he threw a Halloween party, and Cody just stood in the kitchen the entire time, eating an entire family sized bag of Lay's potato chips and taking items that were on the counters and putting them on top of the cabinets. Cause he could only reach that. So he was just seven foot one grabbing like the blender on top of the cabinets, grabbing these bowls on top of the cabinets and just the entire day. And then the next morning we, everybody wakes up, we look at his place. His entire kitchen is now like 10 feet in the air on top of these cabinets. Cause Cody just hung out in the corner the entire time, putting stuff on top of it. He's a, he's a unique that's, dude. That's hilarious. Great. Cody's great. Okay. So you said you saw Kaminsky all the time. What was that? Uh, What's that place? Uh, came to the Irish bar. Oh, uh, Connolly's on fifth. Sure. <laughs> I saw Kaminsky more frequently than Zeller, I would say, uh, yeah. which was, you know, probably a sign of how he was playing on the basketball court. <laughs> I mean, they call him the tank for a reason, right? Like, <laughs> speaking of tanks, boys, I hope you tank this other beer right here. Another one. Cheers. 
Oh man, we're crushing them today, baby. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's ridiculous. All right, <laughs> enough about poor poor Cody Zeller and his awkward crush. Yeah, he um they didn't end up together. They did go to Michael Jordan's place in um in the Bahamas though with the rest of the Charlotte Hornets one time. Oh, that's kind of cool. I always like it was always fun. I think I think Stevenson was on the team. And I'm like, you know, we never hung out with like the rotational players, but I always like wanted to see Zeller partying up with like Lance Stevenson. It just it's just a fun image. All right, Connor. So um <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna turn the tables here a little bit, uh, yeah. like off the Charlotte bar scene. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? This is a two-part question here. So what do yep. you think about the expansion in the SEC, adding Texas and Oklahoma, and also, do you think, or how do you think, or do you think at all that the ACC can keep up with the pace that the SEC's got right now? Ooh, I mean, for the SEC, I don't think there could have been an absolute bigger land grab than taking Texas and Oklahoma, and. I think it's really accelerated what a lot of us thought was going to be inevitable, which was the maybe four or so super conferences that's probably going to end up happening. I think the ACC is in a really good position um, to be one of those and potentially be the closest thing to what the SEC is putting together. I really don't know if there's going to be a big 12 in 10 years or one that's recognized as a power conference anymore. I think the ACC is in good position. No one's going to pick up the equivalent of a Texas-Oklahoma like duo there because you have, what, the second biggest money school behind Texas A&M and like the number six money school, I think, and one that actually wins football games in Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> Savage. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's honestly my only hope for the, for the SEC West is the horns getting in it so we can come in second to last. Um, or maybe y'all get pushed to the, the East. Uh, that, that's the real hope. That's the real hope is being in the East. Or the pods. I love the pod system. I think the pod system is, yeah, is where it's at. I agree. I like the pods. That's, that's funny, yeah. Because I think like Kelly and a few other people at like Jackets Online talked about ACC going to – 16 teams and doing pods too. I think that's the, the real future right there. Who, who's the who's the ACC? Like, what's the rumor of who they're going to pick up or try to? Oh, there's a myriad, I think. So this is the redneck inside of me. I would like to see us poach West Virginia, really. Sure. And then yeah, another one. We need Notre Dame to fully. Notre Dame. Yeah. That, that, that's huge, actually. Yeah. I think having West Virginia, because think about some of the uh, the old Big East rivalries, like, when it comes to basketball and football, like you have Virginia Tech, West Virginia, you have Pitt, uh, West Virginia, the backyard brawl. Like, yeah, those are huge rivalries. Yeah. You know, the ACC comes off as a bunch of, you know, John Swafford, bless his heart, but we came off of like a bunch of arrogant pricks half the time, you know, because we had all these Carolina private schools. But sure. I want to see some mountaineer loving. Chase has done some turkey baster shots in uh, Morgantown, so <laughs> he understands the people there, and they're just good people. No, that'd be great, dude. This is a throwback to me being a, a UGA fan, you know. For my, I blame my father and and not me. You know, <laughs> my, my poor mother didn't, you know, put her foot down enough. But I remember Pat White crapping all over DJ Shockley's face, like it was. That was a that was a terrible game as a child. Like I cried just about. Yeah. Yeah, but it was beautiful. It was oh, beautiful. it was amazing. Those Virginia teams were insane. Yeah, yeah. Bring Huggy Bear to the SDC. 
Or is oh, the ACC. Yeah. yeah, I'll be about it. So cool. Now we're going to get into the uh, the juicy stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what was the weirdest thing you've ever seen while working at the SEC Network? <laughs> let's 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 broaden this to full ESPN. Not not saying not saying names, not hinting at what they do, but they are a very big on-air personality that had quite the eater of secrecy of um, not washing their hands, choosing not to, doesn't want to, finds it weird, not sure what it is. But they were conscious of this odd choice enough to fake it, which means you would be in the you'd be in the urinal. They would be a few urinals down. Well, I guess the, we'll drop today then. He would be a few urinals down. Uh, <laughs> he, he would walk to walk to the sink, turn the water on, hold his hands to the sides of the water, maybe make some pretend scrubbing noises above the water, but never actually touch the water. Don't will not touch the soap. Turn the turn the water off. Walk out the door. Shake hands on the floor. One hundred percent. It wasn't like a germaphobe thing. Like it's weird. If you're gonna go through the effort to pretend like you're washing, why don't you just wash them? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No. I also sorry. Side one here for second. Second. But this is more funny, I think, but also kind of weird. I saw another very famous host get yell at a production assistant for not bringing his, uh, his butt donut. Like, you know, when you got hemorrhoids or whatever that is on his chair, uh, they didn't bring it, set it down in the chair that he was doing the interview on. And the guy got chewed out. That was pretty fun. <laughs> oh man. Got some, some characters. Yeah. Some really good people. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's too good. I, I don't know what to think about that, honestly, especially during the COVID times. I mean, that's just disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, this this was this was this was uh, PC. We were pre-COVID, but uh, but I can only imagine it consists like there wasn't a young man doing that. That's a man who's been doing that for decades. So I'm I'm sure I'm sure COVID did not stop him from not washing the hands. <laughs> Gross. All right, Connor. So <laughs> I don't really know how to transition off of that, but I'm gonna try. Uh, did you by chance see the uh, viral article going around about the Georgia Tech assistant coach position on LinkedIn? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, did you apply? I uh, no, but they hired somebody today, did they not? We got a, his, a head assistant. Yeah, coach they did. You, you, I, you're stealing Chase's thunder. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it's for three cool, articles. Drop you, it, baby. No, that's the question. Do you think? Do you think they went through that route? Do you think he went to Indeed.com? I think no, 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 you're no. right. It was Indeed, not LinkedIn. I'm sorry. I, oh, it doesn't matter. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Because I see, not I not to not to that that the cat out of the bag, but. Someone on the podcast may have looked in uh, deeply into applying. So, uh, oh shoot! <laughs> so, if you see uh, the Memphis Magi on a sideline near you, uh, you know what happened, baby. What What, what did you uh, What you put your credentials? Were they They're looking for a few years of experience. Listen, I've got experience under Brian Gregory as a basketball manager. I know how players work. I've peed in a cup before. You know, I get I get what the players are going through. Yeah, we're student athletes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've thought about, you know, in the last three years, I have what Chase, we have probably what two years of eligibility. You know, I could I could have laced it back up, baby. We redshirted one of those manager years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long snapper, baby. You know, I was a hell of a fullback back in the you know my middle school I days. So it. I believe it. 
played football for a week. <laughs> they and the first four days were just like fitness drills, and I was killing it. I was I, we were just running, and I ran good. And then they made us do the Oklahoma drill, and I broke my wrist three plays into it and quit football forever. <laughs> Oklahoma drills were. Uh, well, who's the who's the famous quote that said the Oklahoma drills made a lot of basketball players? <laughs> yeah, it sure did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it made a basketball player out of Connor Hill, apparently. Uh, well, cool. So now we get wasties, tasties, rivals, recruiting updates, slash, you know, uh, what's going on in Georgia Tech sports. All right. So, uh, you know, as we alluded to earlier, Georgia Tech signed a new defensive lineman coach today. I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, I think he's also like the co-defensive coordinator as mm-hmm. well. That's, so Thacker's probably tidbit there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think Thacker's going to be sitting on his lap. I, I hope so. Goodness gracious. Remember the defense that he coached last year uh, gave up 57 points to Samford University. <laughs> so yeah. Oh my gosh. That's my <laughs> Oh, no. Connor, why you, why you got to drop that? Dude? I'm just saying you guys should have put it on monster.com. Indeed's not going to help you out. <laughs> well, I, I thought that, you know, and Georgia Tech's playing NC State in basketball as we speak. And, you know, I didn't really think that since this was going to air later that it would really do any good to announce the score. But we're currently down by 29 points at the start of the second half. So uh, I can go ahead and declare that one as a loss. So, yeah, yeah. as you all hear this a few days later, that's an L. Things are not looking good in the Josh Passner area right now. Although, I mean, we're coming off an ACC championship. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Granted, granted I, it was a COVID championship, but we'll take it any way we get counts. it. Hey, no, it definitely counts. I hate to say this. I've had some arguments on Georgia Tech Facebook group about <laughs> this crap. People are bitching about it. I'm like, the man won a championship. Like, I mean, it's, it's very obvious, at least from my standpoint, that we're just – Howard hasn't developed as we thought, and we're kind of missing that center slash. Yeah, every um, every year in the past been there, we've had a big man, and it's just it's not there this year. We're just getting pounded yeah. on the glass. And Devoe Devoe's our best player, and everybody knows it. I mean, yeah, you just can't yeah. on him. Us, so, Usher's trying to do his best, and it's just rough. You got to stop Bruce from stealing all the Atlanta people. That's the play, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, we have seven players in Atlanta are in Auburn rotation, are Atlanta boys. So yeah. No, y'all, y'all look y'all look good this year. He's, he's handing out the bag. Oh yeah. Oh See, yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yes. Yes. But you know, I'm not saying on. it's a bad thing. I wish there's, there's Georgia Tech money. Georgia Tech has money. That's true. That's true. My my funny thing or my favorite thing about Bruce Pearl back in the SEC. This is before everyone needs to remember, this is before the NIL was like, you know, live and stuff. Auburn, no disrespect to them. They said, Bruce Pearl got caught for, you know, recruiting allegations. You know what? I really don't give a damn. When you, so now, he, now it's legalized what he was doing before. When He's you live through that many years of Tony Barbie, you will do anything to win a basketball. <laughs> anything. Anything. Yeah. So, Passner, doesn't look like we're going to pick up any road snacks tonight. We'll keep moving on. <laughs> no gas stations from the home. No gas stations stop tonight. All right. <laughs> well, this brings us in to our fantasy update with the Memphis Magi. Uh, but it's not fantasy football season, so we're not going to go too deep into it. But we will touch on quarterbacks at the end of this little segment. But we just had the Super Bowl. We had uh, Mighty Joe Young 
aka Joe Shiesty, aka Joe Burr, up against Matt Stafford and the loaded LA Rams. I'm going to go around the uh, around the horn, as some would say, ask our podcast host and guest what they thought about the Super Bowl. So, uh, Chase, you know, give us your first impressions of you know how the game played out, and then give us also the Fair Randolph yearly update on what you thought about the halftime show. Oh man! All right, so the game itself, I thought was was okay. I, it didn't didn't blow me away. I was going for the Bengals, but I, th- I think most people were. But I didn't really have a vested interest in it too much. So I was just glad to see some new blood in there. Overall, I thought the refs they, they were pretty quiet their whole game, and they they got loud at the end. Obviously, they had the missed call against Ramsey, but yeah. I don't really like Jalen Ramsey, so I wasn't that mad about it. <laughs> also, everyone drink a beer. <laughs> Another one. And as Josh alluded to, I think the most anticipated part about the Super Bowl for me and my friends was was my mother so every year it's a fun fact we get a text from my mom at halftime saying how much she hates the halftime show like (laughs) this is like a decade-long tradition (laughs) I'll, I'll screenshot it and then I'll send it to the, the guys. It's the funniest thing ever. So this year, I was just waiting on it, waiting on it. And, like, the whole halftime show goes by. I hadn't heard anything. I'm like, what's going on? And she finds, she sends a group text that my Nana was loving it. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I loved it, too. I thought it was great. And I'm like, what do you think of it, Mom? She's like, well, I couldn't really understand what they were saying too much. But I think if I could, I wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the nicest thing Ferris ever go. said about a halftime show. But. Anyway, so I'm glad to see some of the guys on the Rams get a ring, but ultimately didn't care too much. I thought the commercials were pretty terrible. Yeah. It was a a lot of electric vehicle commercials. And a lot of crypto. Which was fine, but I don't know. Yeah, I just just feel like they're they're trying so hard, and it's just, I don't know. I just didn't think it was funny. But what's your take, Connor? I mean, if if you boys want to talk for another hour about EVs and crypto, let me me know. (laughs) Crack Um, my knuckles. It was uh, so yes, it was it wasn't the greatest, but I, I I'm trying I'm trying to like retroactively look at it in a positive light. And it was nice to see defense be relevant in the NFL again. Um because <laughs> but now what's unfortunate about it is like these offensive coordinators have broken the pass game so much that it's yeah. passes are unstoppable, but apparently runs are not anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> holy smokes. Anything on the ground. I think it was it, it I mean it was fun. I I think it was uh I think it was a cool, a cool Super Bowl between nowhere near the best two teams that were in the playoff. And, you know, sometimes that happens and that's fun. But I, I'm curious to see if this happens again. I, I'm, I'm curious to see if the Rams can keep that like star super defense together that sometimes plays amazing and sometimes chills, it seems like. Um, the Bengals, can they build an offensive line? I, my, my bold prediction, I don't think we see either of these teams back in the Super Bowl for a while and I was kind of Ooh, that's big, spicy big time on the on the burrow train. I just don't know like 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 well, the Rams old are- lines are tough to put together, man. Yeah. That's that, true. Like Bengals have everything but that, it seems like. Yeah. And that defense played above its head all year. I, I don't know. I, I I think I think we're shifting. I think we're shifting into the uh the Josh Allen uh Ooh. NFL. I think I think I think they got I think they got the one amazing game my hometown Chiefs played this year. And by one amazing game, I mean one amazing quarter the Chiefs have played all year. And that uh, knocked. Is that, that knocked. a quarter flip or is that a yeah, quarter right, play? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that rule needs to change. But I, I really think that Bill's team is disgusting and they have a quarterback who's really fun to watch and is really good at football. 
and I think they they're here to stay for a bit more so than the two teams that actually made the Super Bowl. That's a, that's a hot take. prediction. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. I, I'm I'm all about hot takes. So I'll give you my take. As y'all said, I think the biggest thing. I think everybody had an exciting first half. Honestly, um, we saw <laughs> Jalen Ramsey get torched like my my back end after eating a bunch of Chipotle. And then I think the offense is both like kind of started chugging, you know, in the second half, especially mm-hmm. with uh, OBJ getting his ACL yeah. torn. Shout out to everybody who hates turf. Take my ACL, took two of uh, OBJ, so I'm I'm with him on that. That being said, like yeah, it was it was a pretty good game overall. I think uh, you know the, we've already called out some of the glaring things like uh, you can't win a game if you're on your ass. So uh, Joe Burrow needs some offensive linemen. Uh, that's for damn sure. Going into it though, it's time to start getting ready for the draft for next year. So we've already talked about two amazing franchise quarterbacks. Matthew Stafford finally got his first SEC. Uh, well, he got his like, uh, you know, national title thing, you know, as a Georgia Bulldog bull crap. And then he got his Super Bowl today or yesterday or whatever the hell day it is. And then you have Joe Shiesty, a.k.a. Mighty Joe Young, the now guardian of Cincinnati now that Harambe is dead. Right, if you had one quarterback, doesn't matter who it could be for your fantasy team next year. Who would it be, and what round would you try to target them at? I'm going to start off with you, Connor, since you're a guest. Ooh, I don't, I don't, I don't draft quarterbacks early. I draft quarterbacks late. That's fine. Yeah. Who would I? I mean, who would I want? My, my boy Josh Allen, but I'm not going to take him as early as you need to take Josh Allen. Give me, give me, um, give me a a, a latish round. And Stafford's not going to go early. Stafford's like, yeah, maybe after maybe after this year, but like, give give me a give me a late round Stafford. Give, give me, yeah, we'll go with. What that. round is that? You think like sixth round, seventh? Yeah, round? Give, give me that, or give me like a like a seventh round, fifth round area. Uh, Russell Wilson again. Like that, that's that's just a, that's oh, you know. Us. Oh no no! For points, I'm not. No, yeah, come on, no. come on. Why Connor, not? Why not? Connor, as reigning champion of our NBA league, and as someone, the Rump Raiders had Russell Wilson in the West of Box God Fantasy League. Russell Wilson is more underachieving than Paul Feinbaum's toupee. It's not good. All right, <laughs> that's my take. Sorry, I had to counter that. Chase, no, it's go. fine. Oh, well, I drafted Mahomes this year and it was kind of a roller coaster. He he started off hot. By hot, I mean literally first game of the year hot and then cooled off. So I don't know if I want to get on that roller coaster again, but also they're going to going to be too too early in the draft to probably get him. I don't know. I think I'm thinking I've got my eye on probably Herbert. I like Oh, Herbert. Yeah. Bear. yeah. Uh, that, I, I haven't looked at, I haven't looked at ADP or anything, but I mean, I, I'm thinking like Herbert in the 4th or 5th round might be a good good pick. Yeah, Connor and uh, all the NBAs know know to fear my Herbert. A side of Herbert, right on that strawberry Herbert. Anyway, my take would be, this is a hot take, I mm. think seventh round, Captain Kirk. The oh, man's ooh. had a good four seasons, you know, since it's, you know, out of five uh, with the Vikings. And uh, Justin Jefferson's looking pretty good. And uh, Diddle Dick Dalvin tears his ACL every other damn year or, or nurses – like a, a you know hurt quad every like two games so uh, that's my hot take. Speaking of which, I've kind of alluded to this last question for Connor for the whole podcast. How do you feel knowing that the Rump Raiders are the Scheller NBA champions? I'm, I'm happy for y'all. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, I'm really bummed we don't have a really good trophy, but I just wanted to lord that over. All no, no, I, I I'm ha- I'm happy for you guys. I uh, I underperformed this year, 
and uh, expect to underperform the next year's because uh, I'm a Panthers fan, so I don't watch the NFL. So uh, that's that's pretty much my take. Oh, NBA guy. Connor, I got to ask, does he call himself the Rump Raiders in the NBA League as well? Oh, uh, not even just NBA League. That, that's what he had on his placard in class. He just refers to himself as the Rump Raider in third person at all times. That's fake news. That's fake news. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm the Rump Raiders even in NBA. This team, this franchise, I'm like the Jerry Jones of uh, fantasy football. He's an engineer, man. You, you don't want creativity out of that. Like, yeah. yeah. I think I think I was uh, for for the NBA league though. My name was Rump Raiders, like Javert's Revenge, to go with the Lemiza Rump theme that I have through all my teams this year. So it was on point. Lemiza uh, Rump. <laughs> so if you don't know who Javert is, for all you uh, uncultured people, y'all should watch Lemiza That shows you how cultured I am. Well, thanks, Connor, dude. I really appreciate you hopping on. Thanks for the great conversations, the great stories. Loved it. Um, Drinking with the Jackets listeners, Drinking with the Jackets nation, thank you for listening in. Tune in next time for our latest and greatest podcast. Uh, And with that, we're going to do a round the horn. Chase, Connor, let's chug these beers. Another one. And we're out. This episode of Drinking with the Jackets podcast is brought to you by Georgia Energy Solutions. Is your house so dad gum cold it could freeze the gonads off a gorilla? Is the neighbor's music so darn loud you can hear Amarillo by morning clear as day? Well, then call Drew Murdoch if you live in the Atlanta area for your endo window pricing. His number is 770-401-8345. And he can come take a look at those drafty energy-sucking windows and set you up for a cheaper bill and a better time. This week's Drinking with the Jackets kicks before kickoff are the Air Max 1 Tinker Sketch to Shelf. The reason that I chose these to be our kicks before kickoff are that I'm a huge Air Max guy uh, myself. I've got about 17 pairs of 90s and then three pairs of 1s. But the the cool thing about the Tinker Sketch to Shelf Air Max 1s are that, it was, number one, it was Tinker's first Air Max shoe for Nike. And these actually overlay his sketches for the actual sneaker on the outside. Uh, and it's got a lot of really cool detail. So you can see those pair on our Instagram at Drinking with the Jackets. So give that a like and follow us on Instagram as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This has been a Drinking with the Jackets production. All audio was mixed by DJ Scotty Z. Tune in next time for another exciting episode full of jackets and drinks.